0: My name is Mike Gilland. I'm privileged to serve as a bivocational elder here at Metro Life Church, a church I love. Love you guys, too. It's so great to see you here. And before we get into the message, uh, a couple of prayer points that I would like for you to join with me in prayer. First of all, uh, last Sunday, uh, Susan Seifert had to go through some uh, unexpected and emergency surgery. She's doing fine. She's now uh, spent a couple of days in the ICU this week, uh, but we need to continue to pray for complete healing for her. It's going to be a little bit of a process for her, but she was able to get out of ICU yesterday. So uh, we want to pray for her. And then secondly, and the whole world was caught off guard a week ago yesterday with the news of what's gone on in Israel. And I know that we all have a heart uh, as to what God is saying to that nation, what God is saying to us. It's obviously an ally of our country. And the unbelievably unspeakable things that went on uh, last Saturday at the beginning of this, and it has now opened the door to just an amazing, uh, sad, and we need to trust God with what's going on in those people. They've, they've endured so much already. So let's, with a heart for God's will, with a heart for this country, with a, uh, for Israel, let's join together, if you would bow your heads right now, and let's pray for these two needs. Number one, Lord, we pray for Susan, that you would continue to touch her, strengthen her, bring her out of uh, the hospital uh, give her strength, Lord, for the days that are ahead as she heals. We thank you for being with her, and uh, we look forward to her and Lewis being back with us. And Lord, our hearts are heavy today for Israel. We pray for this country. We pray for these people whose lives have been literally upended and destroyed and uh, in, in almost seemingly a moment changed forever. God, please be with them, be with the leaders of that nation, Uh, be with the people, protect them, Lord, we pray for those that they're fighting against, that they would uh, repent, and and Lord, that there would be peace that would come uh, with this nation as well. God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would guide them and lead them. Protect our own United States, we pray. And, Lord, we ask for mercy for all of these in the marvelous name of Jesus, the name that is bigger than all of these things, all of these problems, all war. We ask that you would move, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're in the study of First Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to ask, if you would, go ahead and turn there. 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 25. My Bible has a headline over verse 13 that says, Submission to Authority. And starting in verse 13, Peter said these words, Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme "'Fear God, honor the emperor. "'Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, "'not only to the good and gentle, but also the, to the unjust. "'For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, "'one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. "'For what credit is it if, when you sin "'and are beaten for it, you endure?' But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed." For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. And now, Lord, in these moments that follow, I pray that you would just bless our hearing of your word as we kind of dig in and try to unpack these truths taught to us by Peter. In this series, Lord, we need to know and, and to hear what the Spirit of God would be teaching, what He would be saying to us. And my trust is in you, Lord, today, uh, that you would use what it, it seems to us to be such uh, a feeble attempt to ever speak the words of God and to break these words open and to try to understand them Lord, we are feeble, we are weak, and we need you, but we trust you. And uh, Lord, as the Word would say, you you use what others would call foolishness, the foolishness of preaching, to bring about your Word and your will. So I trust you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. This is such an interesting passage for us, and I, I think in light of the subject matter, it would be good if we do a little bit of an exercise for a moment, and let's all consider, if you will, the government. There are those that are saying that the leaders of government are tyrannical, unjust. They're very wicked, they would say. There's certainly the presence of leaders who are acting immorally, with a progressive bent toward evil, An evil that affords a way for even fellow humans to be taken captive, trafficked, if you will, sold as slaves. There are leaders on the other side of the aisle who say they're doing what is right. In fact, they have God on their side, and they believe that with all their hearts. But even in this group, there is a group within a group that is doing their own thing, behaving badly Stirring up dissension everywhere, bringing confusion to the group that is on the right. Now, i got to pause here for a moment. Many of you may be thinking I'm talking about 2023 American government, but I'm not. I'm talking about the government that was in place when Peter was writing this chapter, when he was describing what was going on in the chaos of his government. We have a tendency to think that government chaos is kind of a new thing, but it's not. It's been around a long time. New Testament believers had to deal with any number of oppressors from the Romans who had this knack for crucifixions and exacting taxes that would be almost impossible to live under but they also dealt with their own oppressors in their own religion. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were there. I had a friend one time who, who said he was trying to describe the difference in these two groups. He said, the Pharisees are fair, you see, but the Sadducees are sad, you see. They were both kind of messed up in their own individual ways. And, but it was from some of these groups that it was stirred up in that day and actually Jesus brought to the governing authorities that led to His crucifixion. He was betrayed by His own, even those that were among those group. And they thought they had succeeded until they saw they didn't. They hadn't. They did not succeed. That that grave, nor that tree which was the cross, could keep Jesus down. But that was the political climate of that day. And we would have to agree that, boy, it's not all that different, although thankfully we're not yet being thrown into dens of lions or coliseums filled with hungry lions. I think there's a lot that we could say that things are a lot better, but there are certainly evidences of evil in this world. There are evils in government. There are evils around us in those authorities to which are over us. Today's passage gives an understanding and direction to Peter's audience, but it does more than just that. It gives understanding and direction to you and to me today as to how we should uh, respond, how we should react what we should actually do under authority. So let's dig in. Submit to authority, number one. Peter opens this section of chapter two with a two-word phrase. It's a command to us all. He said, be subject. And we have to pause right there after just two words and say, be subject to whom or, or to what? What is he referring to? His answer may surprise you. It's pretty wide-reaching, he says, to every human authority. Now, I expect that at several different points, a lot of you could actually be tempted to stop at just one of these words and not think or not hear any beyond that, and I know that's an easy thing for any of us to do. And I'm praying that that won't happen to you today, that we will hear this and say, Holy Spirit please, right now, keep my ears open because I need to understand how it is possible for us to submit to every human authority. That sounds like a big pill to swallow, Lord. And it really is. In that day, you know what that would have meant for Peter? That would have meant not only submitting to the Romans, the the emperor, let's start there at the top, but also the governors, like Pontius Pilate, who actually oversaw that mock uh, trial, if you will, by the Pharisees when they brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate. And he said, I find no fault in him, yet he didn't have any problem having him scourged and beaten and hung on a cross anyway. That's the authority that Peter had in view in that day. It would have also included all of the legions of centurions and and the Roman guard, and and even their own tax collectors, and those regional leaders that was over Israel at that point. All of those made up this group that is broadly identified in this passage as every human authority. That's what Peter had to do. And he makes it right up front, very clear to us. We are to do this with this motive in mind for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Why are we to do this? Why are we to obey our leaders? Is it for our leader's sake? No. It's for the Lord's sake. It's for the Lord's sake. He's behind all of this. He is for authority. In fact, Peter was stressing Something that Paul also stressed. Those that have read the book of Romans understand that when Paul was talking to them in chapter 13, he starts off that important chapter with this word. He said, you need to subject yourselves to the governing authorities. That is and was, again, an amazing thing to say in a day like then when they had seen the authorities crucify their Lord. But we're to do it For the Lord's sake, obeying all civil authorities, obeying the magistrates that are over us, is God's will. And Scripture is emphatic here. It's God's will. It's not just the will of the elect, those that were elected or those that were appointed to civil office. Believers are to be subject for the sake of the Lord. Juan Sanchez said it this way, he said, Though we are citizens of another kingdom, serving another king, during the time of our exile on this earth, we must submit ourselves to every governing authority placed over us by God. Why? Because this is the will of God. Authorities here, as defined by Peter, are given by God to punish those that do evil, to bring praise to those who do good. And in every way when we do this, we effectively somehow, in God's economy, we silence the foolishness of people. Isn't that something? If you want to know how to put things in order, if you want to really know how to tell somebody off, do what's right. Shut the mouths of foolishness by living under the right and God-ordained order of authority. And how do we do that? We have to see that authority is truly a gift from God. God is glorified when his people obey the law of the land. Foolishness is not only silence, but an example and a model, and this is where the church comes in, a beautiful model of the way Christ wanted us to live is now able to be lived out in in front of everybody, in front of the world, under the realm of all authorities, but up against those people who do not know the Lord, who do not understand the Bible We are called to live a life that exemplifies the Word of God and to obey God in that way. And Peter goes on in verse 16, and he stresses this way of living, he said, is is something that we should do to see that we're to live as people who are really free. Now, now if you want to know who are really free, the, the group that is really free are people who have been set free from The bondage of sin and death. He who the Son sets free is free. And you all finish that sentence. Indeed. We are to live that way. Indeedly free. (laughs) If I can coin a phrase. It is that way. We are truly free in Christ. And while we're alive, we're to live in such a way that we exemplify that freedom by how you and I live, how we bump into people, how we live and when we're making decisions, when we're responding to arguments in the neighborhood, when we are seeing things that happen uh, in our workplace, when we hear about things that's going on in our city. We are still to live lives of of obedience and submission to authority. We don't exploit our right standing before God by using our freedom to have what uh, I heard years ago. Uh, those of us that have been around a while, we would have heard this phrase greasy grace. We're not, we're not supposed to just say, well, we're free, so we're free from everything. No, we're not. We're not free from the heart of God, we're not free from the, the, the laws of God as, as He's given us to live out our lives. The fact is, the Bible says that we were bought with a price. It's it's Christ living in us. We are not our own in a real way. But we have the greatest level of freedom that could ever, ever be because of Jesus. So we're not to live with uh, this sense covering up, if you will, acts that we are wanting to do in our own selves and say, well, I'm free. God's made me free. So I can do whatever I want to do. No, we we can't. Because even on our workplace, we're to live with this understanding of be subject for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. I'm going to bring you in a little bit into my personal life. That that would be Monday through Friday for me. In fact, because we're a 24-7 operation, I oversee three Christian radio stations. And there's uh, in in a real way, they're on every moment of every day of every year. And these things have to run. And there's a lot of um, a lot of authority that goes into all of this. First of all, our owner. I'm grateful to say our owner. I'm privileged to work in this season of my life for a God-fearing man. He loves the Lord, and he has. Purchase these radio stations, both in Orlando, and we own them in Gainesville. We own them in Dallas. We have a new station in Melbourne. And all of these stations are highly maintained. They are highly governed by the government, the FCC. You may have heard about that. But doing this, as a believer, my job is to oversee three Christian-formatted stations. And so, I get to do that as a believer working in a radio station that is uh, formatted for, for believers. But our station is housed in the building that is owned by our, again, our, our owner owns a lot of other businesses as well, and many, and many of or in fact, most of those other businesses are secular businesses. And a lot of the employees in that building where I work are not believers, So this gives me both an opportunity and a real challenge. How am I going to live my life in a building that is many people in there are, by their nature, rather antagonistic to Christians? How how do we do that? How do I respond? Whether I need to realize it, I mean, whether I do realize it, I need to realize it, that they're looking at me. They're watching, and they're watching you too. They're watching how you make decisions. These people that God has allowed to come into your life are watching how you lead your family. They're watching how you respond to your spouse. They're watching what you talk about and how you talk about it. They're watching us 24-7, my friends. I have that. I realize that. I carry that. And then I have my own personal a boss, my overseer. He actually lives in Dallas, but he's, he's in Florida almost every week. I don't know how he does that, but he's a great guy. And not only is he my boss, but ours would be more, more uh, described as a friendship. I really like the guy. He's for me. I feel that. He's for the cause of our stations. I get that. But there's something really important that I want to impart about him. He's my boss. He's my authority. And you know, I, with all of my friendship, and with all my love for this guy, and with all of my respect that I want to have for this guy, I always try to remember, first, he's my boss. And I owe him respect. I am not to get easy, greasy, greasy around him. I'm not to get sloppy. I'd like to think about what the famed theologian Han Solo (laughs) once said to Luke. Don't get cocky, kid. It is so easy for us to get cocky. It is so easy for us to get greasy. Ooh, I, I I hate grease. I, I know you do too. Uh, food. Uh, I I'm one of those weird people that if, you know, we cook something and and there's grease on top of it, I will get a paper towel and dab that grease off. I just have to do that. I'm not, and yet I eat French fries. So go figure. All of the grease is on the inside instead of the outside, right? I mean, I know it's still there, but it doesn't make sense. We must, according to Peter, obey civil authorities. So now I come to that point, the point that I referred to earlier, where I know a lot of us have sticking points about this. and We'd say, is that true for government? Is that true for civil authorities? Mike, it's easy for you to say you submit to a believer who is your boss. I mean, that's, that's what you should do, right? I mean, after all, he's a Christian, right? You, you need to do that. What about, what about the, the, the county councilman that I had a run in at a county council meeting? Or, the, you know, what about our, our state representatives that live in this region that have voted for things that are wicked? What about our federal government that is doing stuff that is so clearly wrong? You must not be talking about them too, right? But Peter does not limit our submission. He charges us to honor everyone. And then he lists three broad categories. Number one, he said, love the brotherhood. Number two, fear God. Number three... This one had to be a big one. Honor the emperor. It's just like, Peter, you're killing us. <laughs> Peter, what are you saying? You can't mean this, right? No, he meant it. He meant it. Paul gave us a similar charge to Peter's first group, deserving honor, the brotherhood. Paul told us that as we have opportunity uh, that that we, should, we should always, as we're walking, regardless of what we're doing here, according to Peter, we're to honor everyone. Paul taught us this well in Galatians. In fact, I see my friend Danny Jones here. I just love it. Danny and I have been friends since 1974 when we had an amazing pool game that brought us together. I'm privileged to have known and understood this concept in both having a friend who was also my boss. And now it's, it's like we're friends again. He, but I still count him as an authority. When I think of him, I feel submitted in a real way, in a life way, not in a thumb over you type of way, but I'm grateful for him. And even in times when we've gone through difficulties or struggles, God has always made it very clear in my heart that I'm to have the right attitude about my friend. When Danny started this church, he named it Household of Faith. And that's what Paul was talking about. He said, do good to all, especially to those who are members of the Household of Faith. And that was our church name until we changed it to Metro Life Church in 19, I believe, 87. And we may have changed the name, but we never lost the heart for doing good to all, especially those that are members of the household of faith. The family of believers is what another version calls it, and that's what this church came to be for Cindy and me and Stephanie and David when we first moved here later Angela and Allie we understood the church as a family so we are to do good to the brotherhood we must not do anything less than that secondly peter tells us to fear god now boy this is this is an important one too if you think it's important for me to honor my boss, and it is important for me to honor my boss. If it's important for me to live under subjection of the highway commands when I'm driving, you bet it is. it is. Cindy and I were on our way in today, and we, we were driving the speed limit down Maitland Boulevard, and there was a motorcycle that about scared us to death, passing us on the left-hand side, doing about 80. That person is taking his life in his own hands, but more importantly... Is not living up to the civil authorities and the law. If it's important for us to do that and not put other people at risk when we drive, how much more important should we make sure we're keeping in our hearts an understanding of fearing God? And I don't mean fearing God now, like you're you're dreading God or we are, are ashamed to be before God. Not at all. The kind of fear that we're talking about here is living with an understanding that he's God. He is the supreme authority over all kings, over all nations, over the entire universe. That's our God. And I want to honor him. I've always loved C.S. Lewis's masterpiece, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the account where Mr. Beaver is talking to Lucy, and Lucy uh, 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 is saying uh, about uh, Aslan, who she would just heard about, that he was a lion. He was a roaring lion. And she said to Mr. Beaver, He's a lion? Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver, if you've read this book, you just love this character of this little talking beaver. He goes, Is he safe? He's a lion. No, he's not safe. But he's good. Oh, is he good? That is such a beautiful metaphor for God. Is God safe? Are you kidding? He's awesome. Is God safe? You wouldn't want to be on the opposing side to him, friends. But is he good? Yes, he's good. Fear God. Number three, honor the emperor. Once again, Peter draws the focus back to civil authority, the civil magistrates, including the supreme ruler among those magistrates and authorities of that day, the emperor. Peter is expressing that the reality of God's will in our government is there that God's will put our government in place. It is God behind all government. Sometimes God has given us governments that we deserve. And we're going to get up to that in a moment. You'll see a little bit about that. Uh, here's uh, what Juan R. Sanchez said this. I love this. Consequently, While we are in this world, we are to submit ourselves to all governing authorities from the top down. That would include the emperor. There are no exceptions. Peter's command is comprehensive. It does not matter if those governing authorities are good or bad. It does not matter if you elected them or not. It does not matter if you agree with them or not. God is not surprised by their rise to power. He put them there. He put them there. We have to remember this, friends. And I know that uh, I, I feel the, the tension. And, and believe me, we're going we're to bring some help, I hope, to you in just a moment. Number two, the reality of suffering. Now, here Peter takes a little bit of a sideways step and moves away from just obedience and authority to talk about suffering and he puts it in the context of authority. But there's this understanding that when you are under authority, you're probably gonna suffer at some point. And he lists out a couple of different scenarios. Number one, there is suffering, he said, when you when you deserve it, when you do something wrong. Again, I go back to that speeding scenario. If I had been the guy in that motorcycle driving 80 miles an hour around me on Maitland Boulevard, and there just happened to be a policeman sitting right there who pulled that little motorcycle over and gives him a, just name a ticket, a $3,000 fine. Wow. Let's say he were to do that. It wouldn't do that. But if he were to do that, that person shouldn't complain at all because he had broken the law. He deserved it. There should not be a surprise when we make a sin and we're suffering for it. We make a bad decision and we suffer for it. That brings no surprise to the Scripture. And Peter makes it very clear that we should not be surprised either when we are doing something that's wrong and we suffer. But there's a second form, and that's when we are doing what is right and we're living as we should, and we are suffering under the hand of an authority unjustly. Peter makes a real, a real point on this one, and he calls that, he, he says that when that happens, and he says it this way in verse 20, for what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure, but when you do good, and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. You know what? When you suffer that kind of suffering, you get the attention of God Almighty. His eyes are on it. And don't think for a moment that He doesn't see it, because He does. If he knows the number of hairs on my head, and sometimes I get a little worried about that because that would make me think he knows me less today than he once did. (sighs) I'd like to say that Montana is breaking out on my forehead. Wide open spaces. God knows the number of hair on our heads He knows what you're going through. He sees what you're doing. And he sees what's happening to you while you're doing it. And he's understanding it. It's a gracious thing, Peter said, to suffer when you're standing for what is right. That condition is the tipping point to what I believe is the key verse to this whole passage. And that is this. Peter gives us a preface of importance. And let's look at this first, verse, verse 21. He says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. It's a major point. We need to see it. For to this, he said, what is the this that he's referring to? Well, it's suffering unjustly. And in the context of suffering unjustly under authority. This is what we've been called to. I I hate to tell you, friends, but suffering may be a bigger part of our understanding of life than we ever wanted it to be. Though we don't like it, it's expected behavior. To suffer, You've been called, this refers again to unjust suffering. We're going to suffer, friends. We will suffer. Sometimes we'll suffer at the hand of our own bad decisions. Sometimes for doing what is right. But suffer, we will. And if we suffer unjustly in this context, then it, it is a gracious thing. And God is watching over us. For this you've been called. To this you have been called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you and me and us an example. Jesus could relate, he was the most effective example of servant submission that had ever and has ever lived in all of history. And yet he suffered at the hand of Pilate, at the hand of the Pharisees, the rulers of the day, of Herod. Jesus suffered unjustly, but he did it willingly, lovingly, and obediently. And he's called you and me to pick up our cross and follow him. That's what we're called to do. Now, I mentioned that sticking point earlier. Does that mean that there's never a time, Mike? To any human authority, there's never a time that we push back? Oh, no, there's a time for it. And ironically, it is Peter who gave us a great example about that. If you have your Bible, flip over to Acts chapter 5, and look at Acts chapter 5, verse 27, halfway through that verse, and it says this, and the high priest questioned them. This is Peter and a a few of the disciples who were with him. He questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you are, (laughs) you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, oh, what an answer this is. We must obey God rather than men. Now, I believe there's an attitude that is right, and I believe there's an attitude that can be wrong. The wrong one is going to be a lot more attitude than what Han Solo told Luke. Don't get cocky. If we get cocky with this thing and think, hey, I'm obeying God and not you, that can be cocky. I think we better be very careful how how often that happens in our life and that, that kind of an underlying attitude because the Bible says that we're to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. If you get cocky and start... Uh, let's say, not paying your taxes, I think you're going to suffer. I think you're going to suffer fairly quickly. But there comes a point in life, there could be for us as well, that we would be called similarly to what the three Hebrew children were called, either bow the knee or get thrown into the fire. Uh, In that moment, friends, we better obey God. In that moment, I am not going to submit to the civil authorities. Daniel had that. Stop praying, Daniel. Stop praying. We command you in the name of the law. If you like Peter Panther, that, uh, Peter, uh, Pink Panther, that's the name of the law. In the name of the law. No, no, no. Daniel was not going to stop praying. No matter if it was under the name of the law or not. He prayed. He opened his windows and prayed. In the face of the civil authority that told him not to do it. And we all know what happened to Daniel. The same God that gives us that word can also shut the mouth of lions. We can trust him. There have been some people in our era. Corey Ten Boom, whose family hid Jewish people during the Holocaust. Dr. Martin Luther King, who was standing for just the humanity of those African Americans who were being abused and under severe racism, arrest him and they put him in jail and from that jail cell wrote the famous letter from a Birmingham jail, Birmingham jail. A literal jail cell. And he was arrested in spite of of a charge of just really nonviolent protest. If conflict arises, and we may have to do things in this day and age, we want to obey God. But I think we need to be careful that we don't just make a big, big wastebasket about all of civil authorities and to say that I'm going to throw away everything that they command me to do into that wastebasket of obeying God rather than authority or men. We've got to be careful, friends. Know what God's telling you before you do that. We have to choose to trust in God, which takes me to my last point. Following the example of Christ will put us onto a path of trusting God with every aspect of our lives. When we hear those words from Peter, when he said, Look, this is what you've been called to do because Christ suffered for you. He's given you the steps to take to follow Him. Every aspect of our lives need to be in submission. Our hearts, our minds, our actions, we've come to see that the finished sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, when He did that, you know what He was submitting to? He was submitting to the will of the Father. And we all know that even... The night before when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, drops of sweat fell as blood when he said, Father, I I would that you would have this cup pass from me. It was not like the easiest submission for Jesus, but he set his mind to it to submit to the will of the Father. And that is what he did. It was the wounds of the greatest authority ever known in this lifetime, ever known in any lifetime, that secured my peace by his stripes when he was beaten on the cross. I, and if you're a believer, you, we were healed because of the stripes put on his back by the authorities brought healing so I have to trust God the same way Jesus trusted his father we have to trust God that way Peter begins to describe as he ends this passage with this kind of a a picture of sheep wandering from the shepherd that's who we were we were out there on our own Before the Lord called us, before the Lord came and gave us his word, we were like sheep without a shepherd. But he ends with this thing. He says, but now we've been brought back into the fold under the care of our shepherd and overseer. Some questions before we have a a great opportunity to respond to a song that Allie and the worship team will be leading us into. Here are some questions. I'd like you to ask yourself as I ask myself these questions. Number one, do I struggle with civil authority? Do I struggle with it? Is it like permeating my being, this struggle? Number two, do I understand and believe that all authority is from God? Number three, in what ways am I suffering for my own sin? Number four, in what ways do I suffer unjustly? Number five, have I accepted that Christ sees that suffering that is unjust? Do I believe it? Is it in my heart that I believe his I is on me like it is on the sparrow. Number six, do I trust that the Lord, do I trust the Lord that His sacrifice on the cross has brought me healing, has brought me peace? What is the posture of our hearts today? What is the attitude of our souls? Do we believe that God is the behind, the one behind all civil authority, behind every human authority? Do we believe that? I believe that's what he wants us to to come to today.